Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Ron. I'm right back at you. I already started it, right? <laughs> this is pretty intense. Right? So I think what we're going to do is, if I got this right, we're going to tell some dad jokes to each yes. other. Because you always get to do it at Christmas Eve. You don't share Christmas that with Eve. anyone. So finally, the, I get to tell some dad jokes They're the funniest you. jokes on Christmas Eve. What's the difference between a teacher and a train? I'll help you. There are a trainer. A trainer. One says, spit out your gum. The other says, choo, choo, choo. Man, that doesn't work. Okay. It was the the way you said choo, choo, choo that Ezra would have done better. Maybe not laugh. Yeah, I got it. This is, you're going to like this one. Okay. How does a penguin build its house? I have no idea, Ron. It glues it together. Mm. Smart, resourceful, mm-hmm. excellent. Mm-hmm. What did the janitor yell when he jumped out of the closet? Boo. Supplies! Hmm. <laughs> Pretty good. That's Ron, good. No, that it's clever. It's, it's not funny. It's clever. Okay. All right. Why did the invisible man turn the job down? I don't know. He just couldn't see himself doing it. Mm. <laughs> That's a good one. Thank you. Funny? Fairy. What city are you in when you drop your waffle on the beach? Mm-mm, I don't know. Good old San Diego. San Diego. <laughs> your waffle on the beach. Mm-hmm. San- Ego waffles. <laughs> I don't even get it. Okay. I think our audience is enjoying this way more than us. Go ahead. What do you call a person who gets mad when they don't have any bread? I don't know. Lactose intolerant. What do you think? You want to, you want to laugh at that? I want to. So you good. wanted to chuckle so just good. a little that bit. A, that was your best you one. I wanted to laugh so hard. I'm running right. out. Me too. Why should you never give Elsa a balloon? Who's Elsa? From Frozen. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, she'll let it go, let it go. <laughs> you just <laughs> you just want to sing. No, it's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> but you you just picked out songs so you could sing. I mean, you just picked out jokes so you could sing. Oh, my gosh. Counts. I know. It wow, that's counts. not even. Oh, my gosh. All right. Sometimes you're just glad when something's over, right? So we're glad when that's over. Next year, uh, Tom and Nathaniel and Michael and Ted, you guys are going to be doing that uh, for your campuses, and we appreciate all the campuses joining us. By the way, my two best were cut from that. You guys ready? (laughs) What do mermaids wash their fins with? Tide. You get it? <laughs> That's why I got cut. All right. Here is a good one. Did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? Great food, no atmosphere. Okay, let's pray for your all sense of humor, and then we'll look at God's word. Father, we thank you for... We thank you, Lord, for who you are and the songs that we've sung and the opportunity we've had to, uh, to come into your presence. 
with singing and uh, just let our, our voices raise to you, rise to you, and, and, and demonstrate that you are our God and there is no other. We thank you for this Father's Day, Lord, and we thank you for, the, uh, for all the fathers here and, and for all our fathers who, who poured into our lives. And Father, we have that opportunity now. So we pray that you'd be with us as we look at your word. We pray that you would teach us as only you can do. And we pray, Father, that uh, you, would, you would meet us right where we are, right where our journey is right now. Just meet us where we are and, and help us to take that step farther along in our relationship with you, closer to you. Be with us, Lord, as we look at your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So there was a missionary and uh, a guy named C.T. Studd. He was a cricketer in his day. He was well known as a great athlete during his day. Back in 19, he died in the 1930s. And Studd was uh, known for his writing. And there's one poem that he wrote that you may know a couple words to. Listen, listen to what he wrote. Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart these next two lines you might know, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will be fleeting hours, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. And then he says it again, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You believe that? And, and, and we say, yeah, and we know, we know we believe that. And then the next question, the follow-up question is, do we, do we believe it so much that we, that we, that we live like that? Do, do we believe it so much that we focus on living today with, with eternity in mind? Leaving a, leaving a godly legacy, knowing that this life is going to be gone, and, and, and so much stuff that we put our, our energy into and our discussions into and our social media posts into just don't amount to anything. But Jesus and eternity and, and what we can leave and, and, and invest in the lives of others. So a couple of weeks ago, we did a memorial service for uh, a person who had been at our church for 50 years, half a century, Marilyn Obley. And um, Marilyn's husband, Harry, served as an elder here for about uh, 20 years. And it was amazing to me as we stood, stood right here and, and, and we talked about Marilyn's life. And so much of it was, was found um, in Christ. When she came to Christ, she had a lot of head knowledge, she said, but never heart knowledge, never really had trusted in Christ. She knew about Christ, but didn't know Christ. And when she trusted in Christ, uh, she told Harry, she said, it's, I, you just got to know, this is the real deal for me. I, I love Jesus more than I love you and our kids. And, and, and so most of the service was about uh, her love for Christ, and she led Bible studies. She led so many women uh, to the Lord. She, she didn't go overseas. She just walked around her neighborhood. But there was one part of that service that, uh, as a granddad, hit me. And uh, it was her grandchildren who sent her a video on Mother's Day uh, just to tell them how much they loved, them, they loved her and, and how much they cared for her. And I wanted to play that. So much of the service was about Jesus, but here, here was a woman who not only invested uh, 
lives and other people, but invested so much in her children. And just listen to, listen to that come through as you about a two-minute video of, uh, Mar- of Marilyn's grandchildren sending this to her. Hey, Mega, all of your grandkids have something we want to tell you for Mother's Day. Hi, Mugga. I loved how I used to go to your house and you would make me pancakes every time I came. I love you. Happy Mother's Day, Mugga. Love you lots. Hey, Mugga. It's Mary. Happy Mother's Day. I love you so, so much. Hi, Mugga. I love you. I wanted to say thank you for your patience and how present you are with the people that you love. I've been thinking about all the board games and crossword puzzles we've done together, um, and I'm thankful for each and every one of those. Happy Mother's Day, Maga. I love you. Hey, Maga, it's Rose. I am leaving you a little video to tell you that I love you, and happy Mother's Day, because you're my grandma. Um, and a specific thing that I love about you is how important family is to you. So know that I'm thinking and praying for you. Um, and yeah, I love you lots. Bye. Hey, my God, it's Roger. Um, happy Mother's Day. Love you so much. I had a rose-breasted grosbeak at my feeder this past week. And every time I see my birds, they make me think of you. Love you. Hi, Maga. It's Hope. Happy Mother's Day from the both of us. I just wanted to wish you a happy Mother's Day and tell you that I love you. And I just am so grateful for your example that you've set for myself and the rest of us on what it means to be a mom and a grandmother and a wife. And I love you and I miss you and hope that this video can bring you some joy. I love you. So I know it's Father's Day, and that was about Mother's Day. But when I watched that, sitting right there at Marilyn's memorial, I thought, man, isn't that what it's about? Being able to pour into your children and then hear from your grandchildren the impact that you made in their life. How do you do that? There's no secret sauce in doing that. It's laid right out for us in Scripture. It's not a perfect life. Marilyn would say, not perfect kids, not a perfect family. But it's doing some things that God lays out in His Word for us to do. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you'll take your Bibles and turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I just want to work our, work our way through this, this tremendous passage of Scripture. This is a passage of scripture that if you were a Jewish child, you would have been taught early on in your life. You would have memorized it. If you were of the Jewish faith, you would say it two times every day, once in the morning and once at night. And this is a passage of scripture that Jesus knew well, and he used it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke to confront the religious leaders of his day when they tried to back him into a corner. It's an amazing passage of scripture. Now, a little context here. Deuteronomy, anyone know what the word Deuteronomy means? The the name Deuteronomy means second law giving. Second law giving. And so Deuteronomy, the whole book, Moses just basically summarizes and, and repeats and emphasizes things he's already written about in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. 
And then in, in Deuteronomy, he kind of just wraps them together. He repeats them, which gives us a lot of insight as, as, as teachers and parents, right? That repetition is so critical in learning. So Deuteronomy chapter 6 First three verses, we won't read those right now. He talks about just the fact that you're going to take this, you're going to take these commandments. He's already given the, he, gave, he repeated the Ten Commandments in chapter 5. Now, you want to take these commandments, the summary of the law, and you want to share them with your children and your grandchildren. You want to leave a legacy. You want to make sure that when you leave this earth, when God calls you home, that you've left, whenever that is, we don't know when that's going to be, right? But you have invested your life in the lives of other people. And then we come to verse 4, and verse 4 through 9 is what's called the Shema. Shema, from the first word, the English word here is the Hebrew word Shema, called Shema to the Jewish people. And the whole theme is this. Let me just give you the theme right from the get-go. Loving the true God and loving to share the truth about God. Now, that could kind of be the summary of Scripture, couldn't it? Loving the true God and loving to share the truth about God. Will you, will you guys say that with me? You ready? Here, here's, here's the Shema, right? Here's this, this, this critical passage in the Old Testament. Loving the true God and loving to share the truth about God. All right, so let's work our way through this passage. In verse 4, we see this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? He is one. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And when you see the word Lord written in all caps, that's a translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh. Yahweh, the name Yahweh, is the to be verb. And so when God says, I am, that I am, I am, he is saying Yahweh, to be. I am self-sufficient. I'm independent of anyone else. I am self-sustaining. I am. Here, I am the Lord, our God, and the Lord is one. He is, see the personal pronoun, a personal God. The Lord, Yahweh, the self-existent one, the, the, the God who created everything, the God who is, who, who is eternal, never been a time when he wasn't, never been a time when he will not be. He is our God. Now, those reading this would have known that well because those hearing this and reading this would have known slavery. 400 years, Israel was in slavery in Egypt. And God sent Moses and took them out of slavery. They're just a few years delivered from slavery. And when we read here, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, that is so significant because what's in that statement is God is unique. There is no one like him. He is unique. And that was specifically significant in this day because they lived in a polytheistic culture. And, and, and if you did something to please one God, you might do something to bring the wrath from another God. It was also significant for these hearers because all of the ten plagues against Egypt were addressed to one of the gods of Egypt. So all those gods that the, that the Israelites had heard about and watched the Israelites bow down before, all these plagues were shooting down one of those gods. God is one and there is no other. And we need to, we need to 
drill that home in our lives, right? We need to know that God is one. There is none other. We bow before him. And now in the New Testament, we know this one God, the Father, sent his Son, came in the flesh. God came in the flesh. He's one God in three persons. He came in the flesh. Jesus died on the cross for our sin. He loved us so much that he did that and rose from the dead. And then what happened? For the believer, the Holy Spirit comes. The Spirit of God comes and lives within us. He's always with us. And so we can say, just like the Israelite did, we even have a fuller uh, compass of Scripture to say, He is our God, He is one, and there is none other. Now, how do you respond to a God like that? How do you respond to a God who loves you so much, you would send His only Son just for you? Look at the next verse. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your what? Your might. You shall love him with everything you have and everything you are. When you love God, you hold nothing back. Now, circle that word love because it's an interesting word. It's not a word that talks about emotions. You know, when we come and sing a favorite hymn, sometimes the emotions well up in us. And that's a, that's a cool feeling, but that's not the word for love here. The word for love here is a love of commitment. Even when I don't feel like it. Even when something else is more attractive. I do what's right because I am committed to that one God. I'm committed to the God who loves me. I know other things will be tempting to do. I know other things will be attractive, attractive to. But that word love, ahav, means I'm committed. And by the way, you can go back to the first word of the Shema. The Hebrew word Shema here means to hear and obey. In fact, in the Hebrew mindset, if you heard something and didn't do it, you really didn't hear it at all. So here we're talking about a commitment. And, and the commitment is, is, is wholehearted, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your what? Your heart. That's the, that's the center of your thinking and emotions and will. The very, it's just, the, it's just the, 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 the center of all your being. Your soul, that's your personality. That's the uh, Greek word psyche that we get our, kind of our, our personality or our mental state from. And then might, the sum of all our mental and physical energies. So we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our, with all our soul, and with all our might with everything, everything we are and everything we have. We hold nothing back. It's the, it's the wholehearted commitment that, that, that is spoken about throughout the Old Testament. It's, it's the wholehearted commitment of saying, God, there is none other besides you. And I'm not perfect, and I know I'm on a journey, and I know I'll fail, and I know I'll fall, but you are the one that I serve, and you are the one I love, and there is none other in my life besides you. And I want to live my life demonstrating that to others. I want to love the true God and I want to love sharing the truth about God. I'm not ashamed of that. I don't hold that back. I don't care if it's politically correct or not. I want to share the truth about God. Now, sharing that truth, where do you think that would start? If I said you need to go share the truth, where does that start? Right in your what? Home. The home is the hub of worship. 
The home is the hub of training. The home is the hub of discipleship. And that's what the rest of this verse talks about. You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and might. You're to love him with everything you are and everything you have. And then look at verse 6 and 7. These words that I command you today will be on your heart. And you are to teach them diligently to your children. Teach them diligently to your children. Let's just stop there. That word teach diligently means to impress. In fact, some of your translations may say impress. And here was the picture. It was a picture of an engraver with the, with the, with the chisel and a hammer going to a, a, a blank block of granite and, and painstakingly chiseling words, letters, numbers into that block of granite, chiseling a message in that block of granite. It was a daunting task. Think, just think about that, a, 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 a blank block, and you're chiseling these words in there. A daunting task. But when you chisel something in granite, you know what? It stays there, doesn't it? And so you can go around the world and you can see things chiseled in stone that have been there for thousands of years because it doesn't go away. And that's the same thing that God uses, the same word God uses here. Chisel the truth into the heart of your children. Chisel the truth into the heart of your children so that it doesn't go away. Teach them diligently. Look at the rest of the verse. By the way, the rest of the verse is a, this figure of speech called a merism. Two extremes, and then it encompasses everything in between. So check this out. You shall teach them diligent, diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them. The, the them is the commandments, the truth of God, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. Sitting is inactivity, right? Walking is activity. So all your efforts, all your human efforts, you are to demonstrate, you're to talk about, and you're to demonstrate the commandments of the instruction of the Lord. When you lie down and when you rise up. When you lie down, that's at night. When you rise up, that's at morning. And every place in between. So, so in this verse, you have... You're to teach them with all your human effort all the time. Now think about that as parents. Sometimes we fall into this trap, we all do, of thinking, well, if I send my kid to Christian school, that does the trick, right? Or if I send my kid to youth group, that does the trick. Or if they're in a Bible study, that does the trick. Or if they're little, they have this great Bible app they can watch. Now, there's nothing bad with any of those things. But as a parent, if we think we can delegate teaching our kids, man, we're not following Scripture. We are to teach our children all the time. We're to live as examples before them. We're to demonstrate what it looks like to fall and how God can redeem us and, and forgive us. We are to show them what it looks like when we go through a really difficult time that God is a God who can be trusted. 
We're to show them during this COVID thing that, you know, sure, we got to be careful with stuff, but, but we don't have to fear because we serve Yahweh, our God, and he takes care of us, and we depend on him, and we trust him. In the midst of social unrest, we can say, you know what? You're going to hear a lot of things. You're going to hear stuff on the news. You're going to hear stuff on, on social media. You're going to hear all this stuff. But let me show you from the lens of Scripture how we should think about this. Regardless of color, when we start with Scripture, here's how we should think about social injustice. Here's how we should think about things going on in our life. Man, that's where it is. That's where the mind makes up its, 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 that's where the life makes up its mind, right? In our homes. And when we don't demonstrate, when we don't back up what we say, then our children say, you know what, I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if I can trust it or not. But when they see us, real people, going through real times with real struggles, not pretending like there's no struggles, not pretending like we're perfect, but we allow them to walk through life with us when we're sitting, when we're, when we're rising, when we're, when, we're, when we're asleep, when we're up all the time, all our energy, then they can see this, this following Jesus makes sense. This is for real. I see it in, in the life of my parents. Look at verse um, 8. So you take this truth and you bind them, the truth, as a sign on your hands and uh, they shall be on the frontals between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, it's interesting because the Jewish people took this very, they took it literally, right? And they would put pouches with verses on their hands, little leather pouches. They tied uh, a pouch around their forehead called a phylactery. And then the, or the mezuzah they would take and put uh, on the doorpost. They would take uh, um, Deuteronomy 6, sometimes some other passages, and, and put it on the doorpost. They took it literally. Well, it's not just literally, but God's saying, here's what I want you to do with my word. You put it on your hand, not, not in the form of a leather pouch, but you put it on your hand in this sense, everything I do with my hand, I want it controlled, right, by God's word. I put it on my forehead, not, a, not with a phylactery, but I put it on in my thinking. I, I, I memorize God's word. I hide God's word in my heart so that my thinking will be in line with God's word. Last time we talked about things that are true and noble and just and honorable, right? I, uh, I put it on the doorpost of my home because I want my home to have a culture of what it looks like to follow hard after Jesus. And I put it on my gate because when I leave my yard into the community, I want to make sure that I am, I am sold out to Jesus. I am following him with my whole heart. I am following him with my, with, with my might. I am following him with my soul. Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And teach it diligently to your children. That's a pretty big task, isn't it? You know, being Father's Day, fathers, speak to you just a second. We have this tremendous 
responsibility, right? Tremendous responsibility that we cannot delegate and we cannot ignore. There are a lot of things in life we can, we can delegate, and there are a lot of things in life we can ignore, but not, not teaching our children. There are many things you can get along with, get along without in your life, right? You can get along without your golf game or your um, hobby, whatever it is, uh, or your social media stuff, but you, but you can't, but you can't delegate teaching your children. And we need to be those dads who are involved in the lives of our children. Do we know what they're doing on social media? When a parent comes and says, that social media stuff, man, I'm just not up on that. I say, time out. Time out. You should be. You should know all about Instagram and you should know all about Snapchat. And you should know all about the social media your kids are involved in because that's what they're just getting poured into. You should, you, you should know your child well so that you can teach them well, knowing the truth and knowing your child. Man, as dads, we have a huge responsibility. And we have to be those who know the truth and love sharing the truth. So two questions I'll leave you with. Do you know the truth? Dads, do you know the truth? You, you, you cannot impart what you don't possess, right? can't give away what you don't have. Do you know the truth? You study, are you, are you a student of God's Word? And are you imparting that in a real life way to your children? That's what the summary of the Old Testament's all about. Loving the tr one true God and loving to share the truth about the one true God. So Father, the task you've given fathers is a, is a daunting one. For some here with brand new children, little babies, there's like this blank granite slate. And you said that we are to, uh, to chisel the truth in their heart. But Lord, for those whose kids are older, it's not, it's not too late. I pray that you would allow us to use our influence and the love that we have for our kids and the love they have for us to always teach them the truth of God's word. Never back down from what we know to be true. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.